This is episode three of Politics and Porn Star Martinis. We're talking about university, especially Exeter, and how it's been studying through the pandemic and what the university has or hasn't done to help us. I'll let everybody introduce themselves. Hi, my name's Marley. Um, I'm a second year uni student and I study politics and sociology. Um, and I am from New Jersey. Um, hi, I'm Izzy. I'm also a second year student, but I'm doing psychology and I'm from Southampton. Hi, I'm Lily. I'm also second year, um, also doing politics and sociology, and I am from Newbury, but I'm currently in Exeter. Okay, so I think everyone's seen the emails that were leaked on Facebook from the head of education services, Jamie Horsley. Um, calling students cyber terrorists. I'll just quote one part of the email, which was in response to students calling for a no detriment policy or something similar to support our grades. She said, I would equate such action to cyber terrorism and I don't feel the need to respond. Um, so I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that. Um, I think when I first saw these emails, I was kind of shocked at the inconsiderate language that was used. Um, I just think that in such like an unprecedented time, with everything going on with COVID. I just think everyone, uni students and of all ages, um, are kind of figuring out this stressful situation. And I think that everyone just kind of needs to be more thoughtful um, with how people are coping. Um, And I feel like as a uni student, kind of being called a cyber terrorist for the idea that they just kind of wanted their voices heard in this situation, was just so disrespectful um, and just kind of undermining this kind of collective action. And I also just think that it's a really big issue to compare exactly what it is, which is just collective action, students kind of demanding answers for these unfair circumstances to cyber terrorism, which is a very bold claim to make. Um, And I just think that given the situation that we're currently experiencing, any other response would have been more appropriate than what was put out. Um, And I just think that it's such an unusual time and that the students were in their absolute right to kind of be uh, demanding these answers. Um, And I just think that it kind of goes against everything that we've been taught is to come together and kind of find solutions to these issues we're facing. And when we do exactly that, we are kind of just completely blown off and yeah I just think that cyber terrorism is such a bold claim to make for what was actually happening and it was just very unprofessional and really really disappointing to see. Okay so I think Molly summarized it pretty well I think disrespectful is definitely a good way to summarize it Um, my initial reaction was that it was just careless it was a careless choice of words Um, I think the important thing to remember is when one of the only forms of communication and interaction we have right now is through written emails, you have to be more careful about the words you use and the way they might be interpreted. Um, Equating students to something as serious as cyber terrorists causes more anger and also just further escalates the problem. Um, I think it was really just adding fuel to the fire. Um, And it also just drives a divide between students and the uni. Uh, So as Marley said, students now feel like what they say is being dismissed as actions far worse than what I think was just students trying to have their voices heard in what is such a difficult time to do that. Uh, Yeah, I think it just alienates students and it kind of makes you think, what's the point in speaking up just to get shot down? 
Um, obviously, students are unhappy at the moment. I think a lot of people are probably unhappy with the situation that they have been placed in. Um, but I think the email process just didn't deserve the labelling that it got. And as I said, just added fuel to the fire. I mean, I think Izzy and Marley summarised it quite well. But um, yeah, like they said, it's generally just quite belittling. Um, the emails people wanted to send were intended to more open up discussion and like show support for student representatives who have already been making all of these points. Um, though it's also really like the only way we can communicate right now. Like there is literally no other way for us to contact um, people at the university other than email. Um, and like, it didn't come out of nowhere. I mean, people have already been talking about this for quite a while, um, especially third years or people getting towards the end of their degrees. Um, you know, fairly enough, they're quite anxious about grades and we kind of just need support and reassurance that matters that aren't in our own hands, um, you know, aren't gonna affect our final results. Um, and she just doesn't address any of this whatsoever, um, just references everything in quite a careless way. Um, and, you know, there was no reason to ever assume that there would be anything abusive or harmful in the nature of the emails. So it was just entirely the wrong language to use. And I mean, I saw on Xfest and things like that, that, um, you know, there are people that have actually experienced online abuse and threats and things like that. And they were understandably upset at her use of the term cyberterrorism um, because it was just, yeah, quite an insensitive and careless use of the word. And for someone that's, you know, the head of education services, um, she covers a lot of departments. So she's not just any staff member, but someone who has a decent amount of influence and quite an important role at the uni, which just makes everything um, and like her language and stance on the matter just all the more worrying. And I think it just provides like a bad reputation, a bad voice. Um, for staff when in reality a lot of them have actually been really understanding um so yeah like like the girl said I just think it was careless um and quite insensitive yeah so she did apologize in a way kind of on twitter but it was on the uni of exeter account like it wasn't her twitter and also it's twitter it's a social media account it's not really um a formal way of apologizing the email was sent to colleagues but it was aimed at students it wasn't aimed at them and we were the ones that were called cyber terrorists not any members of staff yeah i don't think it was the colleagues that deserved an apology and to have the apology through a secondary account and via social media isn't really professional or meaningful in any way it was like she was kind of forced to make an apology by the uni and they just like put it on their twitter um, so do you think this is a reasonable way to go about it and what would you change about how she handled it? Um, yeah, I agree with you. I think it's completely unprofessional that she went through the university account and on Twitter nonetheless. Um, I think given the circumstances, she is kind of liable for taking full responsibility for what she said. And of course, that's not to say that people don't make mistakes and we see it time after time, but I think what's important when you are making these apologies is to be the one taking full responsibility and I think an apology should have been made from her behalf and through the university accounts. Um, I think students should have gotten a formal apology that was more widespread. I think we can't just assume that everyone saw that apology on Twitter um, and I think this is quite a serious like remark that she made um, and I just really didn't think that the apology was kind of sincere or formal enough to students who really was impacting. Um, so I just really don't think it was professional enough. I think more could have, be do could have been done. Um, and I think she should have put out more of a statement on what she was planning to do to um, actually 
give answers to what the students were asking for with the email protests. Um, because if it was such a widespread thing that she was able to call it cyber terrorism, then obviously it's an issue that should properly be addressed. So I absolutely think more should have been done in forms of apologizing. Yeah, so I don't think it was a reasonable way to apologize at all. I think, yeah, people make mistakes, but sincerity with your apologies is more important than the mistake itself, in my opinion. Um, I think, again, it just angered people further because it felt like we'd been ignored and dismissed again, like we weren't deserving of a direct apology. I understand she was probably advised by the uni to put the apology out in that way, but I think there should have been a direct address to students, like in an email. You know, we receive so many emails and it's our only form of communication right now that an email apology would have been the best way. Um, you know we're here, you know we're listening, because there was such an uproar when you called us cyber terrorists, so why not address us now? Why not put it directly with students, put it right, and make us feel heard and listened to? Because we would feel a lot more respected if the apology was direct. The common theme here is that students feel colleagues are being thought about, but not us. Students aren't being thought about, and yeah, the apologies to colleagues was just, it was not to the right people, I feel. Um, she didn't really apologise for her words, nor her sentiment. So it did seem a lot like she was just kind of covering herself. Um, it didn't really feel like an apology for what she said. Um, it was more just the fact that it had gotten so out of hand. And yeah, like um, Izzy and Marley both said, the fact that it was this supposed apology was to fellow staff. Um, I mean, yeah, there's just something about the way that it was just a screenshot of an email that had been sent to staff. And I mean, the uni didn't even put it out officially on their channels. It was just in reply to someone else tweeting them and being like, you know, hi, what's up with this woman calling us cyber terrorists? Um, so it all just seemed quite unofficial, not very professional, not very well done. Um, and yeah, the wording of the um, email itself. I mean, she says she understood that the protest purpose was to bombard um, the uni inquiry points like in order to disrupt operations and again like I just don't know where she got this idea from because if operations are disrupted you know students are the ones that suffer I mean we've just had in the last couple of weeks um, Ellie and like IT communications have been down like up and down like all over the place and you know as soon as anything like that happens we're the ones that don't have access to anything when our whole degree is online we're not going to go out of our way to make it more difficult for ourselves because that's the excuse that she used. She was like, oh, um, you know, it's going to just, we're worried that if operations dis are disrupted, then like people that need immediate help won't be able to get it. But, um, you know, and I think she mentions mental health or like not necessarily mental health explicitly, but she mentions that they're like, you know, if a student needs urgent help, um, she was worried they weren't going to be able to provide that. But I just don't think it's a plausible idea like conclusion to come to that students would do that to themselves that they would put everyone in the situation especially in a time right now when there are yeah a lot of people that will need urgent help from the university we're not going to do something to kind of put a block in that in that um line of communication so um yeah like i said before like the purpose of the emails had been made very very clear in advance so i don't really know why she'd come to the conclusions that she did um, and for the head of education services to comment on the matter, like whether privately or publicly, 
um, she still has a responsibility to actually look into what she's talking about, especially if you're going to use the kind of language, you know, that she did. Um, I think that's quite important, um, but she didn't and she hasn't really offered a meaningful apology. Um, and yeah, I just don't really think that's acceptable um, or just fair to students, really. I think it's really unfair in our current climate to expect students to produce the same quality of work as before the pandemic, especially with little to no access to the library and other uni resources. Um, not being able to see your lecturers in person means there's no personal connection and they literally have no idea who you are. Um, so I've had emails that took over two weeks to get a reply, which meant I had to hold off from starting off any assessments I had for that module because I just didn't have a reply to the questions that I needed. Um, and for one of my modules um, that Lily's in, I haven't been able to access material for the module and it's been three weeks, this is the fourth week, and I've only just got onto the Zoom seminar when she refused to let me in all the other times. So that's three weeks worth of content that I just haven't got because everything's online and I can't go and see her because we're living in a pandemic and she didn't reply to my emails. So with no one replying to my emails, it's just the quality of teaching just is not the same. And I mean, I've heard lecturers have been given extended time to mark work, but we had literally no help in completing it lecturers weren't replying to any emails or they were taking too long um and there's just no guidance really when I've been given feedback it doesn't make sense Lily and Marley were both in a module last term I got feedback and it made no grammatical sense other people said the same thing and then when I asked about it it took over a week to get a reply so the standing of teaching isn't good enough to be paying the amount of money that we are paying um so do you guys think a no detriment policy is something that you'd like to see the uni bring back or do you think, would you rather have something else? So I agree that it's hugely frustrating when you're relying on technology and you can't get onto things um, to have to be relying on that for your whole degree. Uh, I definitely found that difficult myself. As for the thing you mentioned about the feedback, I thought it might be worth mentioning that I recently had one of my essays revoked from the um, BART, uh, essay feedback system because when I first got it it had no feedback on it whatsoever apart from a little note at the bottom saying start your references on a new page so a lot of people had this issue in this certain module on my course um, and they had to revoke a lot of the essays from the marking system and redo them so I recently had that so I think that just kind of shows you that the feedback is not up to standard to what we're dealing with right now you know we've got the same amount of time and we have to do everything on time and up to a certain standard but it's I feel like it's not reciprocated with it, all of our lecturers like obviously I'm not speaking for everybody it is a generalization but on the whole my lecturers haven't been like given feedback like how can you submit an essay that you've worked really hard on and get no feedback yeah I agree and the thing is Ideally, yes, I would like a no detriment policy, but I just don't think it's realistic at this point. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think they're going to change their minds, in which case I would like to have something that at least feels like our grades are protected. I feel like at the moment, as you kind of alluded to, we're being led blindly into exams and assessments and being expected to produce the same standard of work despite the standard of teaching obviously not being the same. And you just can't, you just can't make the standard 
of work the same over Zoom. It's, it's just never going to be the same. Uh, I think what is also being forgotten is that last year, although the idea of lockdown was new to us, we had actually had in-person teaching all year. So if anything, we were still prepared for the exams because lockdown actually hit at a point where, with the exception of two weeks of our term, we had had all of our teaching in person at a good quality. But this year, I personally have been on campus twice, each for one hour sessions, which were not main lecture content. Some people haven't been on campus at all. So I, I feel like I'm lucky to have even been on campus twice. The quality of teaching over Zoom, as I said, is not the same. So I think some sort of policy needs to be in place to empathize with this, because it just feels like students aren't getting the empathy that they deserve. Maybe something could be brought in, like being able to drop your worst 60 credits. I've seen that this was um, a suggestion at other unis that somebody could drop their worst 60 credits or their worst 180 from both second and third year or change the weighting of their degree. I feel like Exeter needs to explore those options because at the moment it doesn't feel like those options are even being considered. Um, yeah, I think, like Izzy said, I think all people really want is some kind of grade protection, just as almost just as an acknowledgement um, that teaching this year isn't the same. And I think I, I worry that a lot of staff think that, you know, people are saying that as a kind of, oh, yeah, they're not doing as well. Then we, like they're trying and we get that. No one's, you know, no one's saying that they're not. No one's saying that people are necessarily teaching badly, although I know some people have had particularly bad experiences. I think it's just you know, it's not an unfair thing to say that having online teaching just isn't the same. Um, not necessarily anyone's at fault for that. That's something that really can't be helped at this point. But unfortunately, you know, that's what it is. Um, so we need some kind of acknowledgement of that. We need some kind of protection. I mean, I really feel for third years, like I can't imagine, you know, being in third year, having 60% of my degree be based on a year where you have I mean, I was talking to some friends in third year yesterday and they have two contact hours a week, three contact hours. You know, you're writing dissertations, things like that. And it's just, you know, support and things like that. It's not really the same this year. So I just think people need an acknowledgement of that. And obviously a no detriment policy would, yeah, that would be kind of the ideal way um, to provide that protection. But like, as he said, yeah, don't really see that happening at the moment. Um, it doesn't look like it's, it's going to happen. Um, and I mean they have brought in a no disadvantage policy, but there's just so much confusion around that. And people are understandably um, quite dissatisfied because it really doesn't provide the same amount of protection as last year's no detriment policy. And which like Izzy said, we had a lot more in-person teaching last year. Um, so yeah, I just think there's a lot of confusion, a lot of uncertainty and not really enough communication between the uni um, and the students and actually taking on board what people are saying um, and I think that's kind of something that we really need right now. Yeah so what we expected to get out of university um, and what we're getting is just not the same. I like obviously Lily said no one could have seen this coming but when you know we're paying so much money for a service that we were promised but we haven't been given it makes you question why we have to pay for it when we're not receiving what we were promised. If it was any other service, we would be getting our money back. So yeah, the university also told us to stay home and not come back. Again, leaving us without any resources we were promised, but also meaning so many students were stuck at home 
um, where they can't concentrate or just in toxic households and unable to produce high quality work. Just It's just another way we were all being left to struggle with no help. And I think, especially with the government as well, we were told that we would be having contact hours at university so everybody got their houses sorted. And then as soon as we get here and we're paying, I mean, my house are paying six over £6,000 in rent this year, which is more than all of our maintenance loans um, and I'm the only person living here and I wasn't here for a month over um, November to December. Um, the rest of my housemates aren't here but we're all stuck paying rent which is unreasonably high anyway because we're students um, or because we were promised contact hours that just haven't happened. Um, so I just wanted to understand the impacts of where you guys are living because obviously everyone's in different places across the university. Um, so yeah, I know Marley was stuck in New Jersey for quite a while um, and has only recently just got back, but how was um, being at home? How did that affect you? Did, were you given any support as an international student with, because I know time zones are different, even I know, I think it's about five hours difference for you, but there's even people completely you know, 12 hours behind. Yeah, so I'm going to start with Marley, who's been stuck in New Jersey until recently and how it's affected her being at home during term time and if she's been given any support as an international student with time zone differences and how it's affecting your work. Okay, so I am an international student um, and I was in the US. I went back to New Jersey last year when we got put into lockdown in March and I stayed there all summer. Um, and I think what's really frustrating is that over the summer, we were finally contacted by the university and told that there would be some form of blended learning throughout the year. Um, so of course I paid my tuition fees, I booked my plane ticket and I came back to Exeter um, under these kind of false promises of blended and somehow in-person learning. Um, and of course, upon getting here, I haven't gone to campus at all for any contact hours, which has been frustrating. Um, and of course, I know we've mentioned before that no one could have seen this coming and things are changing so frequently. It's not on the fault of anyone, but I think that the way that the university is reacting is on their fault. Um, because I would have considered maybe not coming back to Exeter if I knew that everything was going to be online. And so I think um, I'm already as an international student paying over double what domestic students pay. Um, and on top of that, I've now had to add these kind of unexpected extra expenses, like flying back and forth every time there's a lockdown. Um, and it's gotten to the point now where my parents, I went home actually for Christmas, um, which, um, I mean, I'm sure I could have stayed here, but I didn't really want to be alone in the house in Exeter for Christmas. So I wanted to be home with my family and I stayed there to make my trip worthwhile. But I think having to fly back and forth has just become so expensive and I wouldn't have otherwise kind of been going back and forth last year because of lockdown and it's gotten to the point now where my parents were basically like if you go back to Exeter you know after Christmas um you can't keep coming back if you know if, if there's more extreme lockdowns or anything like that you're basically gonna have to stay put which is a stressful decision to make because I know that at any given moment if they send university students back I could end up being alone in my house in Exeter again uh, which I definitely don't want. So I think financially it's been really frustrating and I, the university hasn't given any, any lenience, any support to international students. And as I explained, I'm literally paying over 
double what domestic students pay, even though I actually have dual citizenship. So I actually am a UK citizen, but I would have had to have been living in the UK three years prior um, in order to pay domestic fees. Um, but I just think it's so ridiculous that I've been home half of my university experience and I'm still required to pay these international fees, quote unquote, even though I've been in my bedroom in New Jersey and not getting any of the international experience that I'm supposedly paying for. Um, and I actually wrote to university and our Exeter MP kind of explaining the situation. And it was just an email and they just kind of said, oh, we've passed it on to someone else and I never got a response back. Or like, well, there's nothing we can do and you're technically still getting the same education that was promised. But I think university is so much more than just the education I think it has so much to do with like the social aspect and just growing as individuals. That's kind of why we're here for these three years. So I think to kind of dismiss the claim that I'm getting the same experience when I'm halfway across the world to where I'm supposed to be going to university and haven't seen any of my friends, haven't been able to make any friends outside of our housemates is really just kind of ridiculous. Um, and there's been no compensation for domestic students or international students. Um, but kind of, as you said, I think if we knew that there wasn't gonna be any sort of in-person learning, I think a lot of people would have thought twice about going into private accommodation where we now can't get any rent, um, any rent back for not being here. And I think it's been really frustrating. Uh, and as you mentioned, I was in New Jersey um, for actual term time. So when I was back, just, I only flew back, I think a week, less than a week ago. So I was at home when seminar started for term two. And it's really frustrating. I mean, I know that there's not much that can be done because seminars are obviously um, live, but I was having to wake up at like 5.30, 6.30, like for my seminars in order to attend them in person. And it's just, it's just not like a healthy learning environment to be half asleep with the sun not even up and expected to sit through these seminars. So that was really difficult. And that was a lot of the reason why I decided to come back to Exeter. Um, because thankfully, I, I do have a good work environment when I am at home in New Jersey. But the time difference was just so brutal and so difficult. Um, you know, you're staying up late the night before to do seminar work and then waking up at 630 the next morning to sit through an hour seminar. And it was just like just draining. And I feel like I couldn't really concentrate in that situation. So that was definitely a big part of the reason why I decided to come back because I just felt like I needed to be in the same time zone. And with that, like I emailing lecturers, of course, with the time difference, I wasn't checking my emails until almost the end of the workday in the UK. So it just there are a lot of barriers to being home. Um, and I then had to make that decision to come back to Exeter, knowing that I might not be able to go back to the U.S. for who knows how long because of whatever border um, measures are going to be put into place. And also just because I can't afford to keep flying back and forth. So I think it made it really, really difficult to have to, to say goodbye to my family this time because of all the uncertainty of like not knowing when I'm going to go back. And it's definitely been a financial strain having to still pay these international fees and not getting any compensation for the situation that we're in. Um, so that's been really frustrating. So just to sum it up, um, there wasn't really any support given to international students, which has made it really difficult, both kind of financially, um, emotionally, and in terms of the education, and just absolutely not getting the kind of promised university experience that um, we would hope for. And I think that our university fees should reflect the circumstances that we're under right now. There's been no 
support for domestic students or international students and it's been really difficult. Um, thankfully, it was nice for me to be home and spend time with my family. But overall, the university has not been providing the support that I think they owe to both their domestic and international students. So Izzy is staying at home. Um, so I just wanted to see how um, your home environment is compared to your uni environment. I know a lot of people, including myself, and I think Lily as well, just don't concentrate as well when I'm at home. I know right now, my mum works from home, my dad works from home, my sister is doing school at home, and if I was there, I'd be doing uni at home as well. I just think it's too much. There's too many people um, on Zoom, in the on the dining table, trying to do all their work, and it's just not the right environment for me to do my work. Um, so I was just wondering how has um, this impacted your, your studies and why did you choose to stay at home or did you feel like you had to stay at home um, during the lockdown? Okay, so personally, I feel very lucky with the home environment I have. Yeah, so I've been here since November, since the second lockdown. So I feel like I've settled into a routine now, uh, but I know not a lot of people have the same privilege. Um, I live with my dad and my brother at home. My brother's also a university student, so we're all working during the day, all of us on Zoom, which sometimes is a stress on the Wi-Fi, I have to say. Um, but it's actually very quiet. It's quieter than my uni living. Uh, so for that, I am very, very lucky. Um, we all work separately during the day and then spend the evenings together pretty much. That's how the day sort of goes every day. Um, yeah, I'm lucky I'm able to concentrate here. Um, because not a lot of people have that experience. So I'm very grateful for that. That being said, I do miss being at uni because I miss the interaction and having other people my age around, you know, being with friends, you can't replace that experience, especially for your mental health. Um, but personally, I chose to stay at home. And whilst we are in a full lockdown, I think it's the best place for me. A couple of reasons why I chose to stay. Um, so in Exeter, I live in a fairly small flat with no outdoor space of its own. And I just think I'd go a bit mad being there. I love the people I live with, but I think given all the time with nothing else going on that we'd have together, we might all just get a bit on top of each other, especially in such a small space. Um, personally, I like my space sometimes. So that was one of the factors that um, made me want to stay at home whilst we're in a full lockdown. Um, the second and probably main reason I stayed is a bit superficial, I guess, but effectively I have a home gym here. In normal times, I was going to the gym five times a week. Um, it's a huge part of my life. And as I know, for many people, exercise is also um, incredibly important for my mental health. Um, so whilst everything is shut in a full lockdown, including the gyms, I basically saw it like this. Why would I go back to a small flat where I have no gym equipment and the most I can do is a walk or a run or the dreaded home workouts, which just isn't enough for me given my normal time schedule, when I can stay home and continue training five times a week, keeping my mental health intact somewhat, and also keeping some kind of normal routine, which I think routine is really important at the moment because it's sort of the only thing that we feel like we have control of is our daily routine. Um, and it just made sense to stay at home. However, I will say that it does not feel good paying £650 a month for somewhere I'm not even living. And for that reason, I do think there needs to be some sort of compensation. 
um, for what we've experienced, but I can't see it happening. So you just sort of have to get on with it. But yeah, it really does not feel good paying all that money for somewhere that I'm not even using. Yeah, so Lily, like me, came back to live at uni um, and students just, they just get exploited. That's just how it is. Um, my landlord gets £36,000 for 11 months of just us living here. And our fridge got fixed last week and it had been broken since the 1st of September since we moved in. And we've just nothing, everything's gone off in the fridge, meat, milk, yogurts. We've had to freeze all of our meat, it can't go in the fridge. But I'm paying, what am I paying? 150, 160 pounds a week to live here. And it's not working and it's taken four months for the fridge to work. So I think that's just another, just a, the biggest reason for me that I'm here is because I've got to pay rent whether I'm here or not. So I may as well live here while I'm paying so much money. So um, do you think coming back has been helpful in being able to concentrate and get work done rather than being distracted at home? Yeah, I mean, that was one of the main reasons I came back. Um, I don't really have a study space at home. Um, I stupidly got rid of my desk like two years ago. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. Um, but I just figured, well, I'll just be any work that I do will be at uni. So I just want space in my room for it to be my room and not to associate it with work or anything like that. Um, so I just really didn't have the right environment or the space to work at home. I mean, my mum and my uncle are working from home. My dad is every so often working from home. And, you know, you can have a little bit of quiet, but at the end of the day, you don't have the same silence or the same environment that you would have at uni. And I think mindset was like a really big thing for me because I just couldn't, even last year when we just had, um, all we did at home, I think back in May was just a few exams, but even that, I found it really hard to get into the right mindset to do that work because I just don't associate my home in Newbury with doing extra work. I don't really know if that makes sense. But um, yeah, so um, I knew I wouldn't really be able to work in that environment. Um, and, you know, I'm lucky that I was able to come back here um, and I'm here by myself. So I am very much um, in control of the environment that, that I'm in. And I know that a lot of people don't have that privilege and they kind of... Um, you know, it's been a bit of a double-edged sword for a lot of people, especially with mental health and things like that. Um, you know, sometimes staying at home isn't necessarily ideal, but coming back to uni isn't ideal either. Um, so I think that's been a really difficult situation for a lot of people to try and make that decision and figure out where you'll be better off. Um, and I mean, yeah, Brooke, like you said, I think rent is a huge part of it. Um, I spent a lot of my Christmas holiday working to pay for my rent for this month and the idea of then just being sat at home um but still paying for this room just seemed insane to me and it just wasn't something that I could do um so yeah I mean it's not an it's not an easy situation um and I know the unis you know they've done things for like uh, on-site accommodation and things like that for like um for first years and obviously there's not really much they can do about private renting um but yeah it's just one of those situations that just isn't ideal and it is quite frustrating. So the last question is how has the pandemic impacted your uni experience in education? Um, is there anything that has actually made it a bit better? Obviously there's a lot of things that have made it worse. Um, so I think we kind of discussed a lot of like the negative things uh, already um, but I think 
<laughs> as far as some of the positive things about what this pandemic has done for our uni experience, um, I'm living in a house in Exeter with six other people. Um, and I think that could have definitely ended very badly, all living on top of each other in lockdown. But we thankfully really made the most of it. And I feel really close to my housemates and I think closer than we ever would have been if we were kind of going out um, clubbing. And I think we really made the most of just kind of being home and we buy like board games to play and have movie nights and cook dinners together and just kind of anything that makes lockdown more bearable. So for me, that was a big reason also why I wanted to come back to Exeter is to kind of still have those moments to kind of make those memories with my housemates. Um, but I think it is kind of like stressful knowing that our uni experience is only three years long, which I think is really short. I mean, coming from America, university in America is four years for undergrad. And so I just don't want to kind of graduate and then wake up and feel like I spent half of my uni experience at home, which is definitely daunting. So just trying to make the most of being with my friends. Um, but yeah, as far as the pandemic kind of changing situations, as we kind of mentioned, not being able to go out and network and meet peers that are like in our field, like you just don't get those same connections via Zoom. Um, and I think we're all kind of having anxiety about what it's going to be like graduating and finding a job and job hunting and what impacts COVID will have on that. So I think there's just a lot of unknowns um, that have made this very, a very stressful time period to be a uni student. Um, and of course, I know the pandemic is impacting everyone at different ages kind of differently, but kind of being young, it's hard to see what's supposed to be like the best three years of our lives kind of rushing by us. Um, and most of the time I've been in my room the entire <laughs> experience. Um, but yeah, I've been really trying to make the most of it with my housemates and we were all kind of collectively saying the other day how last term weirdly was kind of like the best time we've ever had at uni just because of the things we did together um and we just kind of tried to make the most of it since we couldn't go out so as far as that we're doing something right I guess but it is just kind of taking it day by day um and I think the situation we're in is definitely having an impact on everyone's mental health um just kind of being in the same bedroom where my desk is and my bed is is hard to kind of create that routine of of living a normal life and studying all kind of within one room so it's definitely been a challenge um, I'm sure for everyone but as we kind of mentioned before it has been nice obviously to be back with my family even though I did not ex expect to be seeing my family so much um, throughout my uni experience so I guess just trying to see see the brighter things um, with everything going on and kind of not taking anything for granted anymore. Uh, like even just going on walks with, with a friend is now like the most exciting part of my week. Um, and I think, fingers crossed when this whole pandemic is over, uh, I think we definitely won't be taking social interactions for granted anymore, which I'm kind of excited to see. Like, I feel like it's gonna be all the little things that are gonna feel so weird to us at first but then we're really going to kind of value and treasure which is going to be really cool to see so I'm looking forward to doing the best we can do um kind of making the best out of a bad situation um and just kind of doing our part to make sure everyone stays healthy and safe um but while still trying to have the best unique experience that we can make the most of it
Okay, so I'll start with the negatives and then we can end on a positive. Um, so, yeah, from an education standpoint, it's definitely been a negative impact. I think, you know, we've already talked about how um, it's important to remember we're paying extortionate amounts of money for something that I guess ultimately doesn't really seem worth it at the moment because of the standard of education we're receiving. Um, I mean, it is it's a pandemic so it's out of a lot of people's hands uh so you have to sort of make do with what you can and make the best out of a bad situation i suppose but the reality is the education is not the same and um yeah we've talked about how the fees should reflect that or more support is needed um from an experience standpoint i guess a big part of the uni experience is the social aspect, uh, going out, you know, clubs, all of these things. Um, and it does sort of feel like they've been taken away. Um, for example, last year I did cheer, but I didn't even bother buying the membership this year because it was £100 I knew I wouldn't be able to get worth out of, um, essentially, because all training then was cancelled because of the lockdown. Um, but... I also think, as Molly kind of said, uh, there's definitely silver linings. So for me, I am very, very lucky to have spent more time with my family. Um, as a three, we're very close. I rely on them a lot for support. And I feel more than anything like this has given me just the best support system. Uh, you know, it kind of shows you where you can go for your support, which I think is a silver lining it's important and now I know you know if you got through this you can get through a lot more than you thought before um and the other thing is is that yeah the positive I guess is that you appreciate the little things a lot more as Marley said it's like a walk is so exciting it's you know you see someone you haven't seen in a while and it's so much more exciting and I just think that is a blessing more than anything um and yeah i just hope that once we're out of this we can appreciate seeing people when we can a lot more and just learn from this whole experience yeah i think for me um i i don't know if other people have this mindset but it felt quite weird going back home for six months so this was back at the the, the first lockdown back in march um you know, when I left for uni, um, it had taken me a while to kind of get ready. Like I took a gap year because I didn't feel ready to leave home and go to university. Um, and to then after what, six months, come back and be home for such a prolonged period of time. Like, I don't know, I, when, I, when I left for uni, I kind of assumed the longest I'd ever be home again would be for a few months um, over summer or like after I graduated. Um, and, you know, it come to a point where I was very much ready to leave my hometown and kind of start a new chapter and all of that. Um, so I think mentally it was a very, um, it was quite a, just a weird state to kind of be in and to be back again. Um, and it almost felt like a, uh, like a step back, um, which I know it wasn't, but it, at the time I remember just feeling very, very weird being back in my childhood bedroom, which sounds so dramatic because I'd only left it like six months before. But um, I just do think, yeah, mentally, I think it's everyone's in quite an interesting space. Um, and yeah, like everyone's with like social life and things like that. Like you do hear it a lot that uni is the best part of 
your life. It's the most exciting three years of your life. And it's kind of the time where you meet the most new people. Um, but I saw a really interesting tweet like the other week where someone was kind of saying, you know, for the majority of us, um, it's coming up to a year now where we most likely won't have met anyone new um, or like actually formed a bond with someone new, which I think was a really interesting point um, and kind of puts everything in perspective. Um, but with everything online, it is more difficult to do that. You know, last year where you might go into a seminar and you'd end up seated next to the same people week in, week out, or you might kind of form some kind of friendship or some kind of bond. But again, like on Zoom calls and things like that, you don't really get that opportunity. So I think socially, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see the impact. But um, I think, yeah, like the girls both said, it will be really nice, I think, when things sort of start to go back to normal slowly, um, seeing kind of everyone appreciating those little moments a lot more. And I think if anything, it will make, I mean, this is going off the assumption that third year, our third year and our last year will be um, a lot more back to normal. Um, but, you know, I think that will make it all the more special, um, which I think will be really nice. Um, and yeah, it will, be, it will be nice to get back to kind of seeing everyone again and I, I mean I love my housemates but I live in quite a small house I live with three other people and a lot of my friends are like you guys or people that um, are from my course and things like that that I don't really have the opportunity to see right now um, so yeah it's it's had an interesting impact I think on our university experience um, you know like we've said there's been a lot of negatives but I think um, like Izzy was saying like we've all got a lot to learn from it um, about kind of our own resilience and our own um independence and things like that um but yeah I'm very much looking forward to kind of getting back to normal as I think everyone is I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening thank you to all my friends for joining me on my podcast and for Lily in this next clip <laughs> thank you for having us Brooke thanks for being the best podcast host uh, yeah ever. in the southwest <laughs>